how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. This episode is brought to you by IronJohnGear.com. In between your creative pursuits, make sure to check out Iron John Gear for top apparel, footwear, fitness items, outdoor supplies, sports gear, and much more. Visit the website for top deals on things like lanterns, backpacks, tents, snow clothing, bomber hats, sunglasses, fishing gear, and more. Visit ironjohngear.com today and save money on your next adventure. In addition to Iron John Gear, make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. In the film Entanglement, Thomas Middleditch's character Ben Layton survives a failed suicide and then accidentally falls in love with a girl who may or may not be his sister. In this interview, director Jason James talks about his love for projects that are beautiful and weird, tonally different, and altogether great. James also discusses what he looks for in an audition, why he chose to have a real psychiatrist diagnose his protagonist, his love for the film Ferris Bueller, and he also gives us an unusual secret for beating a creative block. I knew when I was like nine years old that I wanted to make movies or TV or something. You know, I would basically always, I would steal my parents' VHS camera and kind of whenever there was a project or a, like a report or a paper due, I would always ask the teacher if I could make a movie. And it seems like they always thought back then making a movie was like a whole lot of work. Um, uh, but to me, it was just like, a get, you know, just a, a way to get out. So it was it was something that I've always been interested in and always wanted to do, telling stories, mostly just, you know, screwing around with friends back then. And now it's, I guess you call it collaborating with uh, other artists, <laughs> but same, same difference. What were those like cameras and things you were using back then? Was it Super 8 or what kind of film were you using? No, I'm not that old. I guess it was like high eight. I think they were um, like VHS and high eight cameras. Um, you know, that would be in like the, the mid to late eighties. So now you're more of a director. How did you get into directing? Did you ever do some writing or what, what other sides of filmmaking did you want to pursue as well? Yeah. I mean, I, I remember doing, I did a lot of theater and drama in high school and I remember just loving all of the prep. I remember, you know, the early parts of the theatrical process is like, you know, what the lighting's going to look like, what the stage is going to be like, what 
wardrobe will we wear? Um, where will people stand? How will we, you know, block it? And where will we kind of, how will the show, you know, look and feel? And, uh, and then it would come to opening night and I'd be like, fuck, I do not want to go out there. I, I did all my fun, like, you know, all of the decision-making and process of building this thing up. And so I kind of realized that, like, uh, I just love the process of creating and um, discovering, and um, I have no interest in being in front of the camera. So um, that's directing, you know, working with all these different people to, to create a, create something, you know, to make something. That's like what I've, I've always been interested in. So, um, yeah, yeah, really hate acting myself and, um, you know, not a good actor. <laughs> so how did you get attached to this new film, Entanglement? Um, I was developing another project with the writer, Jason Filiatro, and um, that movie never went anywhere. And then one day he just um, sent me a version of the script and just said, do you have any notes what do you think and i just loved it i could totally see the film from start to finish so um i created a a tumblr site of images and music and sound and video clips of just how i saw the film how i'd execute it like my vision for it and um i sent it to him and i was like i have to be a part of this project i think it's just really beautiful and weird and interesting and um yeah, I've never pitched a writer so hard to let me be involved in something. Um, the script came across my desk. I think I was about 35 or so. Um, and I was at a point where uh, just just right around that moment in time, um, my mother had told me who my real father was. And I was sort of really, you know, and the, which sort of paralleled some of the storylines in the, in the script. And just that idea of like questioning who you are and where you're from and, your place in the world and everything you thought you knew may not be true. And that really resonated with me. And so, yeah, it was a project that I just uh, really wanted to be a part of. So the film has somewhat of a mixed tone. It's, it's also been described as a bittersweet comedy. How did you really bring all this together and then choose a single perspective for the movie? Yeah, I think, you know, people always ask a question like, no matter what you're doing, like, is it a drama or is it a comedy? Um, and to me, life is all of that. It's drama and comedy. And so the, this film really oscillates between dramatic moments and comedic lighter moments. And um, that's something I love in film. You know, that's sort of, you know, Billy Wilder does that a lot. Um, and uh, I love really deep, interesting, dramatic moments that are kind of undercut with a comedic moment. And so to me, tonally, um, it's it's kind of about just, you know, what's, what's the real world version of things what's going on in this scene or in this moment and um yeah and like i said i think life is a bit of drama and comedy and the film tackles some difficult subject matter but trying to find the light in it or the beauty in it um or the subtlety in it was sort of my goal how important was it to find an actor like thomas middleditch to play the character of ben who can kind of draw the balance between those drama and comedy Oh man, I can't imagine another actor playing this role. You know, Ben was the uh, sorry, Thomas was the uh, the first person we went out to. Um, Thomas was the first person we went out to for this project. I uh, when I'm casting a movie, I love to watch interviews with actors just to sort of see who they are innately as people. You know, how well spoken are they? How intelligent are they? How articulate? And um, I remember seeing this interview with Thomas at the Sundance Film Festival. 
And the interviewer asked him some inane question like, what's your favorite song? And he started talking about um, Neutral Milk Hotel, King of Carrot Flowers. And as he's talking about this song, he starts breaking down and crying. He's actually getting really emotional. I was like, oh, my God, that's totally the character of Ben, this guy who's just right on the edge. You know, he's either going to break down and start laughing or break down and start crying. And Thomas is, you know, just such an emotional, fragile dude. Um and uh, I don't know, I think he really related to a lot of the material, and he was just such a perfect version of this character. Um, can't imagine anyone else playing it. Have you done that in the and before as well with your other films? It seems like a really unique way to like cast, the, especially the lead character. Have you, have you done that before with other movies? Yeah, I do that with every movie. You know, I've made about eight movies as a producer or director. Um, I've directed two features, but I, I love you know, trying to find a little bit of the character and just who, who someone is innately, you know, like, uh, you know, and, and bring that out and also alter the character to, you know, um, <clears throat> alter what's on the page to kind of suit who someone is in real life. You know, I love, I love finding, you know, I think, I think that's how performances, you know, I really strive for really honest, real performances, um, in most of these scenes. And, um, if you can find people that have had real life experiences that you can tap into, or, you know, I also really open about playing with the script. If there's lines of dialogue or moments that actors just don't feel comfortable, they don't think they would say that, you know, I'm totally about rewriting it and, and making them feel like it's a part of them. Um, cause I think that's just going to give you, you know, better material at the end of the day. So. I saw another interview that said you actually met with a doctor and had her read the script and diagnose the character for the movie. Can you kind of elaborate on uh, you know Ben from her perspective, but also the importance of bringing this reality into the film? Yeah, um, you know, I think having a character that sees things and hears things is such a fantastical filmmaker writerly idea, and so I was sort of thinking, okay, if it's going to, what this movie's about, I want it to be as honest and grounded as possible. So I had a friend who's a psychiatrist and I gave her the script to read and she diagnosed Ben with a schizoaffective disorder, bipolar subtype. And I sort of sat down with her and just talked about, you know, who are the patients that, that exhibit this, um, exhibit, uh, that, that have this sort of diagnosis and what physical traits do they exhibit and what drugs are they on and what are the side effects of those drugs? And, in the movie, Ben goes off of his pills, and what are the side effects when you go off of that medication? And to me, it was just about trying to <clears throat> portray uh, and depict mental illness in the most honest and real way possible, and then juxtaposed with a lot of, you know, um, fantastical, otherworldly kind of visuals, you know, for me, it was about trying to understand these characters from a clinical perspective and make the real world version of it as, as real as possible, but then try to get inside of it and try to get inside of the perspective and, and point of view of, um, of the character of Ben. So yeah, that was something that was, it really helped the kind of process on, on how we approach the character and these moments in these scenes. So they feel as believable as possible. Um, so this next question is kind of broad, but for those like writers and directors coming up, um, you touch on some pretty big issues in this film. When you're writing a film or about to direct a film that touches on these big questions, you know, do you believe the film should have somewhat of an answer or merely kind of bring the questions to the surface for debate? Oh yeah, I don't. I don't think I don't want to answer any questions. I want to. <laughs> I want to ask more questions and and continue the dialogue. I think. I think this film is just a start. You know, I think what's amazing is when we 
play this film's been playing festivals for the last 10 or 11 months and you know after people have seen the film you know mental illness and uh, and mental health issues have have touched everyone you know all of us have had some experience whether it be a family member or a loved one or ourselves that we can relate to and so what i'm amazed is that how many people have a story and how free and open they are talk about it after seeing the film and so to me this film is just the start it's just like opening a dialogue that this these health issues are so prevalent and important to talk about and so to me this is just one piece of all of it you know a small piece in it for for sure is there any single piece of advice that you you wish you had known before you started to get into filmmaking or is there any bad advice that you commonly hear in the industry that people should ignore I don't. I don't know. I think it's hard to tell whether advice is bad or not. It's just so you got to kind of play it through. But um, for me, I guess you know, um, I try to focus on on story. You know, I think story is everything. And as fucked up and narcissistic as this business is, uh, unique, interesting stories is what everybody wants and needs and is looking for. So I think no matter who you are, where you come from, you know everyone's looking for a great story so that's that's what i would focus on that's my piece of advice and that's you know sort of what i've been trying to focus on more and more recently is just great scripts great ideas um in addition with the great story um recommendation there when you originally picked up the camera as a kid what were some of those movies you were watching what are some of your favorites that still stand out today oh man um uh i uh Ferris Bueller's Day Off is like, I think that's the film that made me want to start making movies. You know, I was at that age where, you know, Ghostbusters and Star Wars and just, you know, movies are just entertainment. But I remember watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off and it's an entertaining film, but there's that moment in the in the art gallery where Cameron's like staring at the Surratt painting and you're going closer and closer. And as you get closer, things start to break up more and more. And I was just like, oh shit, movies can be about ideas and art and uh, it just kind of blew my mind. And then, you know, that's that was like a, a turning point of, you know, watching all other types of things and, and, and something that really got me excited about storytelling, you know. So that's a movie where, you know, all through my life since I first watched it to even now, whenever it comes on TV, I just stop everything and have to watch the movie. And when I was in school, whenever that movie played, I would take the next day off in homage to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So that's a pretty uh, amazing film <laughs> in so many ways. Over the past few years um, with the movies you've directed, have any of your behaviors or habits changed to improve your directing style? Yeah, I think uh, there's an amazing thing about getting older is that you, you listen more, you watch more, and I think um, I spent a lot of time just watching people and and. and you know, and, and how people relate and react in moments and situations. And so um, I think, yeah, there's a lot of real-life things just like that, that that can make you a better director. Um, and so, yeah, that's a great thing about getting older. For me, it's just like, it's just, um, yeah, being more present in every moment. If there's ever a moment where you're feeling overwhelmed, unfocused, or possibly, like, not creative – how do you kind of get back into the swing of things? How do you, what do you do to get back in line? Hmm, that's a really cool question. I mean, I do like there's basic things like I'll go for a walk, uh, I'll meditate, but um, 
I, I heard about this really cool thing that a musician had talked about and that I, I've tried a few times that, um, that really rang true for me is um, when you're feeling um, blocked creatively is you grab some of these possessions that you've carried with you throughout your entire life and you just sort of sit with them. There's these, you know, there's these things that you've had since, you know, when you're a teenager or in your twenties or, and you, you've carted from apartment to apartment and house to house. And they're kind of like imbued with your energy and your creative energy. And like, they are innately who you are, something you've carried with you all along. And so uh, grabbing those items, whether they be, you know, a guitar, a weird old clock, or, you know, for me, I have this ashtray I bought in Cuba and a watch. And, you know, you kind of just put these things around you and you sit with them and it kind of like reminds you of who you are and where you've come from. I thought that was a really cool, interesting idea that, you know, may or may not help, but uh, uh, I liked it. That was really cool. Uh, I've just got one more question. So you, you were quoted in the Hollywood Reporter, an article about the Canada feature comedy exchange, where there's some mentors like Ivan Rittman, Judd Apatow, Eugene Levy, and Kirsten Smith have kind of helped out. So you were in this program. Did you learn some lessons from any of these people? And then what kind of lessons did you learn from the program? Oh, man, yeah. I've, I've had um, – so that program is very cool. I come from this magical place called Canada where we have a lot of – money to support the arts and artists and there's a lot of these sort of lab incubator type things in the comedy lab uh, run by the cfc is one of them um i i have a new movie that's um going to be in that program this year as well so this will be my fourth third or fourth time going through the program and um you know i don't know if it, you know to me again it's about my overarching takeaway from that is just like really really great stories are what everyone's looking for, you know, from the Judd Apatow's to the Eugene Levy's, like everyone's just looking for unique ideas. But to me, it's, um, so great ideas. You can find those, but it's, then it's about finding your personal connection with those ideas and your personal relationship, making that in, in, in turn makes it more relatable personal relationship to that story or idea and making it as specific, as possible will make it more relatable to others. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter. We also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.